Fired up. This is Indiana Scones, and welcome to the planet of the pastries, planet of the baked goods. Why am I Southern? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Pippi Long Stalking. Planet of the So welcome to the podcast today, world. Dave and I are going to talk about, drumroll Dave, what are we talking about today? Lost civilizations. So we have a lot of lost civilizations to address and not a lot of knowledge about any of them, but <laughs> that's okay. It'll be fun either way. So it, it turned into like a summer day here in Berkeley. It started off cold and got hot and I'm wearing this shawl and I don't think <laughs> I need my, my shawl during our recording. I'm also drinking. Um, ah, you're not wearing a shirt underneath, dude. Put the nips away. <laughs> I'm also drinking this Numi Moroccan mint tea, but you know what? I'm going to drink my last sip of this, and then I'm going to break into my Disco Stew Likes Disco Mosaic Double IPA. So what are you drinking? I I'm drinking a Second Chance Beer Company Mulligan Amber Ale, and it is a local San Diego brewery. Nice. So, what's up? Nice. <laughs> Give me beer and I will drink more of your beer on the podcast. <laughs> Second chance beer company. Desperately seeking sponsors. <laughs> Starring Madonna. <laughs> so I tried to get a little interview with Marlo this morning because she's obsessed with this. I don't know if you've ever seen on, on YouTube kids, Colossal Mysteries. No. Um, so they, there was a series called Colossal Questions. And then it then there was like a spinoff called Colossal Mysteries. And there's this one colossal mystery on on the island of roanoke and oh, she's okay. obsessed with it and watches it all the time and has all this knowledge on it <laughs> and the minute i go to record it she's like well why don't you just talk about it dad nelly's all about there's this i can't remember the name of the channel but it's all these actresses that look like in their the like young 20s and half of the the things they do they are play different Disney princesses getting into very mild adventures. And then wait, the other wait, half is, this is a live, is this a live action thing? It, it is. And then the other half is they have like their own characters they've created, but I actually got, get kind of invested in this. <laughs> does, does Nelly watch that Australian one with the, the girl who plays with the Barbies? Yes. She, what she is, this, is that. it? Yeah. Chloe is, I think uh, so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So I was like, oh, no, like has this crazy, like really, really thick Australian accent. Now, anytime something goes wrong, I go, oh, no. And then I feel bad. Like I'm like cult trying to culturally appropriate Australian <laughs> culture and language. That, that's okay. That'll just make you popular in Australia. They like to be mentioned. What's up, Australia? So I, I'm doing this um, album cover for a friend of mine who's, he's Australian and he lives in New York and I hope you're animating it upside down. So he'll be able to read it <laughs> <laughs> or, or drawing it upside down. I, that That's offensive to Australians, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're the ones that are upside down. <laughs> I keep all but my it, men at work CDs with the, the slip covers <laughs> upside down to honor their place in the world. <laughs> I did this album cover and then he's like, well, you're in the band list. Cause the way I see it, anyone who has worked on this is in the band. So I had this thought today that maybe since I'm in an Australian band that I can get like Australian citizenship. And once, uh, once things completely go to hell here, I can just escape, go live in the outback. As long as you don't like water, they're running out of water there. That's a bummer. Yeah. I just also read about the cane toad problem. Yeah. <laughs> 
That sounds bad. <laughs> Australia has the the there was an old woman who swallowed a fly problem, and they introduce a species, and then they're like, "crap, it took over," and then they introduce another species, and it's it worse and worse. What was like the first bad species that they they were like? I, th I think cane toads is one of the the originals. Another one is rabbits. The cane toads like were introduced to kill something else, though. Yeah, that's the problem. But what was the what was the thing that was was there you know, in, I don't know. in the beginning. <laughs> it was like... I know I know that they, they had rabbits come in. Somebody let a rabbit go and it it decided to spread like a triple across the continent. So they were coming up with a, a a virus that would affect the rabbits. But when they were doing it, they it was only 99.9% .9 effective and someone released it too early. And so that one 0.01% of the rabbits survived. And now they're all Australian super rabbits that are immune <laughs> to the virus. <laughs> you would think that 99.9% .9 is pretty good. Like, yeah. that's hand sanitizer, right? <laughs> well, that's that's the problem, though, right? If you use the hand sanitizer, then you're going to get uh, rabbits all over your hands, the ones that survive. You're going to get rabbits all over your hands? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is what happens when you drink beer on the podcast. Yes. So it, when I was reading about the cane toads, it was an article about CRISPR and sort of the ethics of playing God and being able to decide on the fate of a whole species of animals, right? And I found it really interesting because the, the argument for using CRISPR is that we've already played God because we've moved species all around the planet. Mm -hmm. And so bringing cane toads to Australia, for example, or wiping out all sorts of other creatures. It's the least we can do to try to like turn back the clock and set things right. Well, that that goes back to what happened in Yellowstone. So the the wolves in Yellowstone went away like 80 to 90 years ago because they were hunted to extinction. Mm -hmm. And the elks got overpopulated and they ate back all the trees and kind of really messed with the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Well, recently they reintroduced wolves to Yellowstone and it had all these ancillary effects. Uh, it, it kept it kept the the elks in check. the The forest started coming back. Beavers came back, and the rivers got healthier. It was really kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the profound effect that the reintroduction of wolves, which you don't generally think is being a positive thing for ecosystem, but the mm -hmm. re, the, the the positive effect it had. Getting into the idea of lost civilizations, I think about in popular culture when we try to introduce something to counter a virus or whatever, and then it mutates and it turns into like um, a zombie virus or something, right? That That's a really popular hook in a lot of science fiction. It leads to this idea that in, that I think is really powerful, <laughs> which is that we will become the lost civilization. And there's some, there's some like fatalism or something embedded in that idea. People just have this hard on for like thinking of our cult, our uh, society as being doomed. It's almost like they feel constrained by society and they kind of long for going back to the state of nature when there was no constraints and you could just kind of live life like you want. You know, that's kind of the allure of zombie fiction, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you, uh, you know, not only is society gone, but you get to freely commit essentially murder without guilt. <laughs> On the note of dystopian futures and us being the lost civilization i watched mad max fury road for the first time this week and uh oh, that's a great one did you watch it in great black and white or color in color 
That's a great they released movie. a black and white cut of the movie after. Oh, that's cool. Do you think it impacts it? Did you see both? I didn't see both, but I've heard it. I've heard the black and white's good, but I, I honestly like the the color the color version mm-hmm. of it a lot. I don't know that I have a desire to see a black and white version. To me, it brought up a lot of logistical questions. They had a lot of custom built machinery in that. <laughs> do, do they just go and uh, you know collect all of the materials they would need to like build these custom cars? What's I the thing? Like, I I could see someone rescuing a car from the seventies or earlier and getting it to work again. But any modern car is so much relying on computers. There's no way you're going to be able to get it running mm-hmm. if the computer dies. Exactly. Also, there's this one scene where they say they're going to ride these motorcycles for 160 days. I know <laughs> I might be wrong, but like <laughs> the, our gas mileage is not that good yet. It's the new because I think it was GM announced all of their cars are going to be electric by 2035. It's it's one of those cars that was released yeah, so after this, then. The society does not collapse <laughs> until after that point. <laughs> I have a feeling that if they were driving those, it would be a post-apocalyptic hipster heaven. They would mm-hmm. all be like driving around, <laughs> eating locally sourced bagels. And... <laughs> Why can't we have a post-apocalyptic hipster movie where it's like post-apocalyptic Brooklyn and there's one bagel shop left, but like. Almost everyone's dead, but there's one guy still still making bagels in the traditional way. He's got the the handlebar mustache. Come on, man, <laughs> let's bring me this content. <laughs> there's like one band left. The best indie rock band is left still, but there's no one at the concert. Which is which is perfect because <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't want to get too big. The other day, I started getting into well, it was a limited series, but it's called The Third Day, mm-hmm. and they had jude law in it and it was crazy because it starts off like he goes to this island because he's out mourning the death of his son and he runs across a girl who tries to hang herself so he takes Mm -hmm. her back to this island which is really secluded and ends up getting wrapped up in all this nastiness but the people on the island are convinced that they're the heart of the world and the health of the island directly impacts the health of society at large sounds kind of similar to moana there's this island that is like the heart of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of. But one of the things is, you know, they have this big pagan festival and painted everywhere. These weird little, they're kind of like troll figures that are spreading their vaginas and there's like blood spilling out. Mm-hmm. And it's a really striking image. And I was kind of chuckling because I just read a book that had talked about these same images and they're a real thing. They're called Sheila Nagigs. And you can actually find them in cathedrals in Britain and in Ireland um, mixed in with some of the traditional religious art. And nobody really knows how they got there. And where where they are, they tend to be a lot older than the surrounding cathedral art. And so it's mm-hmm. almost like there was a, a temple there that was devoted to some pagan god that they repurposed and for some reason mm-hmm. left these horrifying <laughs> Sheila mm-hmm. gigs in place. That's a pretty common thing, though. If you have a building that's perfectly fine, you're going to use it, right? And so if it housed some sort of spiritual place, it might have then housed a church later on or a mosque or what have you, right? A while back, I read a book called The Lost City of the Monkey God by Uh, Douglas Preston. It's about an expedition that he accompanied some people on to the Honduran rainforest. mm -hmm. And they used LiDAR, uh, which you can now find in new iPhones. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, they used LIDAR to figure out that there was all of this. There was a huge city that was buried under the jungle. 
Mm-hmm. And they found hundreds of like sacred objects that had been broken when the city was abandoned, like in a they assume in a, like a ceremonial mm-hmm. ceremonial way. But it, it, you know, it kind of leads you to believe, like, or leads you to think, you know, what about these unexplored areas of the world? Because there still are a lot of them. What mm-hmm. could have been there before, you know, way before history um, that maybe has been erased by nature in time? Yeah, a few years back, I guess this was. My honeymoon eight years ago now. My god, <laughs> time is moving too fast. Uh, we we went to on a month long tour of Southeast Asia and went to Angkor Wat about halfway through. Talk about a sprawling city, the Khmer civilization, right? It was the Khmer, a civilization that was thriving and was, yes, yeah, swallowed up by the jungle. And it's kind of incredible to be in a place where. There's basically a, a modern city on top of the old city, you know? They're like, mm-hmm. literally, Siem Reap is like right next to it. In fact, the economy of Siem Reap is largely driven by tourism for Angkor Wat. Mm. And it's just interesting to see how they're inextricably linked now, that yeah. the past feeds the present. This kind of this kind of moves into some of the other ones, like the Maya civilizations. I mean, it's it's real interesting how many people got invested in the Mayan prophecies when we were coming up in 2012 and even the people that didn't <laughs> believe were kind of like happy when December 22nd came around and the world didn't end on December 21st. You might remember the band head PE. I do. <laughs> <laughs> they, they used to always sing about 2012. It was like, we would listen to it and be like, Oh yeah, 2012, man. <laughs> you put head PE on the, uh, <laughs> the playlist, which I'm excited to listen to. I haven't listened to that album in a long you know, time. I, listened I had it on tape. <laughs> I had a cassette back in the day. That's awesome. I listened to that song for the first time in probably 18 years. And it actually (laughs) wasn't bad. Like it it had a nice, a nice hook. That's awesome. I think one of the most enduring lost civilization myths out there is Atlantis. You know, so I was actually reading up on Atlantis for this, but before I get into the actual Atlantis, I want to talk about the vampire Lestat. So you might remember him as being played by Tom Cruise in the interview with the vampire and later on by Stuart Townsend. Anne Rice recently started rewriting about her vampires again after years of not writing about them Mm -hmm. and revealed that they're actually spawned from Atlantis. Oh, really? Yeah, and there was like this Atlantean king who'd been abducted by aliens and given given these superpowers. And then when he died, his soul infused with this queen who ended up becoming the progeny of all the vampires. I feel like that it's a little bit too much. Like, I can't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like in the the Star Wars prequels where you found out that the the Force is caused by midichlorians. It's like, no, I like the mystery of it. I just I don't want to know that level of detail. It's same thing with the vampires. Like, they're cooler when you know they're not from Atlantis. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly right. The book wasn't terrible, but. Uh, yeah, it was it was quite a ride, especially I had I had read the Lestat books when I was younger. And then coming back to it like this, he's a much tamer, like chill vampire. You know, he doesn't really like to kill. And he's just kind of like a dude you'd, you'd, you'd sit back and, um, you know, smoke, smoke and watch, watch a movie with like the Big Lebowski or something. After interview with the vampire, I know that Lestat was kind of her main character for a long time and. I didn't mm-hmm. read any of those books, but I know that at one point he became like an international rock star. Yeah. And we did all this stuff, right? <laughs> but like Interview with the Vampire was definitely the peak of that. Like that mm-hmm. was where it hit its stride. And 
at least culturally, it had the 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 deepest impact. I mean, that had that movie when it was made into a movie had young Kirsten Dunst, mm-hmm. um, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, obviously, Christian Slater, um, Christian Slater, Antonio Banderas. I forgot. Oh yeah. man, that was uh, a good one. That was a good one for sure. So I, I actually went and was doing some reading on Atlantis, and there's this book by a guy named Ignatius Donnelly. Mm-hmm. Or Ignatius, I'm not quite Ignatius. sure. How to pronounce it. Ignatius. I like Ignatius. Ignatius. <laughs> who That's was a who was a congressman and a lieutenant governor, and he was a radical radical Republican back in the 1860s when that meant being like extremely for ending slavery right now. <laughs> and after he left Congress, he wrote this book um, where he kind of presents all this evidence where he thinks Atlantis existed and uh, he tries to draw links between the different ancient civilizations in the Americas and in Africa and in Europe to say, Oh, these, these were interlinked. I, I didn't necessarily find it super convincing, mm-hmm. but it led me back to Plato, who was the one who sort of first described Atlantis and is our mm-hmm. main, main source. And he places it back about 12,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, he says that, you know, it sank into the Atlantic Ocean and that the Atlantic Ocean was like this muddy slush for a long time that nobody could t- sail ships into. And, you know, you look you look at a topographical map of the Atlantic Ocean, there's not an obvious continent that sunk mm-hmm. there. There's some mm-hmm. islands and things. But, you know, it, it, the, the way he describes Atlantis is interesting because it's not some super civilization. It's sort of just normal. Mm-hmm. Like, he goes through and you know, has a resemblance to his ideal Republic, but it it's, there's nothing really special about it. There was a, a mythical lost continent of Lemuria, which mm-hmm. was somewhere in the Indian ocean that people talked about for a long time. You know, obviously you think of Madagascar, which is a big Island off the coast of Africa, mm-hmm. but there's supposedly a, a bigger continent. And it was sort of, you know, one of these ancient continents of a, of a fairly advanced society, but they actually found evidence that something did sink into the water in the Indian Ocean. It's it's just it's interesting that you know while we haven't found Atlantis, we did find this other huge uh, lost continent in the Indian Ocean. Mm-hmm. In some ways, isn't this just conspiracy theory mm-hmm. t- territory in in a different, slightly different format? Like thinking about these places that are unlikely to have existed. Mm-hmm. It, it's all a little too neat and tidy for me. Well, and I think, you know, they become rooted in a lot of like white supremacist mm-hmm. Aryan mythology. Mm-hmm. There was a guy in Sweden who put forth in the, the 17th century that his name was uh, Olas Rudbeck. <laughs> and he wrote a book called Atland. Nice pronunciation. Was, not just a book, it was a four-volume work, work, and he attempted to prove that Sweden was the original site of Atlantis, which Sweden is kind of like right smack dab in the middle of Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also tried to prove that languages, all human languages were descended from Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that one. And the thing <laughs> I read about it was like, it was considered authoritative as a homeland, but nobody outside of Sweden thought <laughs> it held any yeah, water. Exactly. But you have like all these white supremacists and they're like, oh, you know, we're descended from some super master race that lived once upon a time. And that's exactly it. It's like 
you you can seek truth or you can seek what is convenient to you. And I think that there are a lot of stories around these mythical places because they support narratives that people want to believe, right? But the truth is that, and the most likely thing that would have happened is that you had societies of people and they moved on mm -hmm. because of lack of resources or a change in climate. Um, and that might sound boring, but that's just probably the truth. <laughs> so one of the things that's always interested me is hollow earth theory. <laughs> this idea that uh, the the Earth is hollow, and there's some civilization mm -hmm. or ex civilization that exists mm -hmm. under the crust of the Earth. Yeah, uh, John Quincy Adams, the I don't know what number president. Second was he? Uh, he was. He was the son of John Adams, so he was like fifth or sixth, probably. Probably. All right. Yeah. Well, while you talk, I'm going to look it up. Okay. So he believed in hollow Earth theory, and actually, when he was president approved an expedition to go find the people who lived inside the earth. He was the sixth president. The sixth president. Okay. It never came to fruition, but you know, that's how much credence it had. You know, we had a U.S. president that was completely convinced that there was a civilization under the crust of the earth. Look, man, Americans have been crazy since the beginning. Jules Verne, he obviously wrote Journey to the Center of the Earth. Uh, Doctor Who has the Silurians, which is a race of lizard people. And they are still under the, the crust of the earth. And occasionally they pop up in an episode because they want to come take over the surface. When people talk about the lizard people, they're, they're part of the Illuminati um, that are controlling Amer like international media and the elites. Am I right? Isn't that like a, like doesn't QAnon yeah. believe in lizard people? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of, a lot of these conspiracy theories involve the belief in some race of lizard people that are controlling and controlling society and pulling the strings on, on things at a really high level. So there's this author named John Ronson and he does, does sort of his own flavor of investigative journalism. In one of his books, he, with a couple other people sneaks into Bohemian Grove, which is sort of thought to be one of the centers of the conspiracy, right? Where all these, powerful elites get together and pull the strings of the world which is interestingly in northern california yeah it's in what sonoma county mm -hmm. i think well after he sneaks in basically what he finds is a bunch of old dudes acting like asses there was like no mm -hmm. magic it was just like this really weird version of pagan church mm -hmm. <laughs> definitely like lots of chants and wearing of weird outfits and doing dances. And it's always a bunch of just white dudes with their dicks out. That's what those things are. It's just an excuse to like. <laughs> That's a great way to explain it. That's all it is. All those things. There's white dudes with their dicks out. <laughs> I kind of like the hollow earth theory too, because like, you know, it requires um, a level of infrastructure, like beyond <laughs> what we're capable of. So it's like, damn, man, they've got some, like, dope-ass, like, public transportation down there. Like, you, you, like, your engineering techniques have to be on point. California is arguably <laughs> one of, one of the, the most advanced states in the United States, and we can't even build a high-speed train. I know. Like, a sad. single high-speed train. <laughs> the only reason I want to ever travel to Moscow is because apparently they have, like, the longest elevator that goes to the deepest... Um, subway station in the world that's fascinating to me is like just going down a really really long escalator it's, it's uh, russia halfway down you need to be stuck there for three years 
like I'm, I'm, I've been always fascinated with subways. Like I like being down in like a hot, musty, dank ass, like hole in the ground. So, so maybe that's why the center of the earth sounds <laughs> like the most appealing <laughs> lost civilization. There's a, a series of books uh, written by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Childs about a, an FBI agent named Agent Pendergast. And he, uh, in the second book of the series, he it's called Reliquary, I believe. Mm-hmm. But they descend down into all of the underground, the lost underground subways under New York City, of which there are a lot. And he goes mm-hmm. down just levels and levels and levels. But uh, after I read that, I was interested in it. So I read, went and found another book about it. And really, there are there's a whole society living underneath New York City that doesn't ever come up and just sort of lives in these super dark tunnels that are mm. completely like sort of yeah, shut they, off from society. Ghost stations. Mm. I remember watching, yeah, a series of YouTube videos of people who will go down into those ghost stations. Like you have to go through a, go through a station and walk the tracks and find them and mm. go in. Yeah. There's tons of people living in there. It's wild. Like it is kind of a lost civilization, right? If you think about like, what are the real lost civilizations out there? What are the the stories that are not told? What are the things that are happening that just aren't covered? I think especially like living in the Bay Area, the last decade, seeing the inequality and that's driven a lot of people into these like slums, basically, Mm. um, underneath overpasses and next to freeways, but they become like cities. Mm -hmm. Um, and they are, in essence, like our lost civilizations. Like these people are outside of society and we have no solution to how mm-hmm. to reintegrate them or how to fix the problem. So we just let them exist and we ignore them, you know? And, and occasionally kick them out and make and them occasionally kick them out. And exactly. It just reforms, you know? That's a super sad way to like take this conversation, but it's real, <laughs> you know? A lot of different cities, especially in the US, there's a lot of uh, sort of underground infrastructure that's been built up sort of ad hoc by Mm -hmm. uh, vagrants just Mm -hmm. looking for a place to live. So what about like the Stargate theory? Are we going to bring in that sort of thing into this, that our lost civilizations were really just links to aliens? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I was going to say it's possible. I don't think that's necessarily true. (laughs) Like we had this like mega, like these mega cities with advanced technology that were seeded by aliens and then so- something happened and they disappeared and that link never came back. Well, so there's like the, the panspermia theory, right? Where all life was seeded, seeded by some other central point of life. And Star I, Trek embraced this. Yeah, I like I like the the reverse of this. Do, do you remember there was a Voyager episode where somewhere in the Delta Quadrant, they encounter this almost like dinosaur-like species. And it turns mm-hmm. out that they came from Earth and that they were an advanced civilization of dinosaurs. And when their society, when the climate collapse happened, they escaped Earth and they managed to travel to the Delta Quadrant and they became incredibly technologically advanced. Mm-hmm. And and humans were just like helplessly far behind them in terms of technology. But I do were... remember that. We recently did a rewatch of Voyager and I remember that episode. It's a, it's a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> I Let's just turn this podcast into a review of every Star Trek episode. We can just go through one by one through all the series. Can, can we start with the uh, the one where Tom Paris and Gene Way turn into, the... and turn into lizards? Turn into and salamanders? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that one is incredible. And I like then they how... just leave him on the planet. So there's some like <laughs> <laughs> there's some planet full of post-human salamanders off in the Delta oh, Quadrant. That's so amazing. Like that never comes back in the plot. Because you think they'd talk about it. They'd be like like hey, connected, we're... right? <laughs> Remember when we had salamander babies? Yeah. Yeah, like, cool. come on. <laughs> You're never going to have a normal relationship after that fact because you had salamander babies together. <laughs> well, and then Tom ends up marrying Bellana, uh Torres, and you think that maybe she might be a little... a little uh, Jealous uh, about it? Jealous of that. Or, you know, she doesn't want to have kids. So, and he does. So she should have just been like, hey, you already, you already had your chance. But then remember, he has that romantic relationship with that AI spacecraft and he has to be yeah. like, she like hijacks him and then... He almost like flies into this like space fire. Tom makes some questionable decisions. Let's just say that. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. <laughs> so Neil, I think it's your turn to pick. What should we do for our next show's topic? Next week we're gonna talk about the gold rush. Nice. That's kind of that's pretty ripe for uh there's a lot of things we could talk about there. Yeah, we might take that in a couple different directions. It's gonna be pretty fun. So yeah, thanks for joining me today to talk about Lost Civilizations and uh, Tom Paris. I'm I'm after this. I'm going to go down into a hole and play with play Xbox with my friends under the ground. <laughs> you have like a 1970s style conversation pit in your living room with an Xbox hooked up. <laughs> oh no no, it's it's like Minecraft style. There's a, a a tunnel that I dug straight down from the living room, and there's a ladder that goes down like uh 33,000 feet and then there's a room that is adjacent to a civilization they don't have the newest xbox they only have like an xbox 360 but we play we play madden and we have fun dude don't even get me started that sounds dope i i want to come down there with you when i was a kid i wanted there were two things that i wanted one was a swamp in my front yard i wanted to be able to get in i had i would have to park park a car get in a canoe and like make my way across the swamp to get to the front door of my house. That's, I don't know why. I used to and have then, dreams where my house filled with water and I was able to <laughs> swim up to all the like ceilings and corners and stuff. There's got to be something primal about that. I also yeah. really wanted um, hamster tubes to the whole house, but <laughs> I don't know why your vision of, of an underground X cave reminded me of that. But <laughs> all right, my friend, I will talk to you next time. Goodbye. This is Indiana Scones, and thank you for joining us on the planet of the Meerkats. Oh.